PGA Nation. We are back. We are back with the Houston Open. Uh, now we're starting to feel like, you know, I think the first few tournaments of the year, we were like, you know, some guys had a few months off. Who is in current form? Um, our guys going to be better now. They had some months off. Well, now we have a bunch of tournaments under our belt. We've seen these guys at least go out and play a couple times this year. And I think we have a little bit more confidence in terms of how guys are playing this season, who we want to target for this tournament. Um, I think it's an exciting tournament to kind of dive into. It's certainly going to be an interesting course down in Houston, which it's only been, the tournament's only been here for the last two years. So we have some history, but not a ton. Uh, Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It was a solid week last week. So I hit Russell Henley at 50 to one. I know that there was a 55 to one out there if you shopped around a little bit. So didn't necessarily get the best of the number there, but the 50 to one hit really paid off nicely. You know, I made a joke on Twitter that, you know, at least he salvaged the week because he didn't get the first round leader. And that seems to be a market that we hit every single week, but it was great to hit that. Like, you know, it pays better for me when I hit an outright, just because I bet to win those, uh, to win eight units versus to win three units. So it's nice to get an outright when it comes through. It'd been a couple months, I guess. I hadn't hit since Zalatoris had won uh, in the outright market. So it was nice to hit there. And uh, back-to-back wins on this show, I'm going to try to make it a three-peat. It's something that all of us have been not able to do at the end of the day. We all get there, and then we can't seem to get over the finish line. So I'm going to try to get over that like daunted hurdle of the four-minute mile here. Well, I will be sure that that doesn't happen, so don't worry <laughs> about that. Uh, but don't forget, everyone who's, who's tuning in tonight, feel free to give us a follow. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. We're going to come back next week. We're all going to laugh at Spencer for not getting the three-peat again. So you're going to miss it if you don't give us a like and hit the follow button. Uh, see, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm, I'm actually kind of pumped up. So uh, we determined the order for... Uh, the audience doesn't know it, but uh, spoiler alert, the audience is picking second. So, and that's going to be after Spencer since he won last week. So everybody kind of get ready. So, cause Spencer's going to do his course breakdown, but the reason I'm really excited, other than the fact that we have some awesome people already in the, in the chat, Scott, uh, otherwise known as Stewie is in here. Of course, Byron is in here. We got Brent in here, man, you guys are awesome. And I'm on your team. You're on my team. This is the C audience team. I feel really good about this week. So I'm hoping there's some synergy with me and, and the rest of you so that we can take down Spencer, David, and Joel. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be that hard. I think we're going to win by like a lot, like a lot, a lot. Bold you know, Let's go. The Bills fans were saying that last week, and then uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. And so Spence, where's that? And you know what, Spence, we got to say, the fans like the hat. It's getting a lot of respect. You got to love you – know, let's, let's give it up for the New York Jets. Uh, great win this week, representing my home area. I actually found out one of the coaches for the Jets lives down the street from my new house. So shout out to him. I don't know which one. I just know my nanny met the kid and the dad works for the Jets. So hopefully we find out more. You only, you guys only find out if you follow us and hit the like button when I come back next week with more information. David, how about you? How are you doing tonight? And not only do that, hit the bell because you want to be here when we go live so that you can draft alongside Sia and then we can clip that clip he just said about uh, beating us box it up and roll it out next week when you guys finish in last place. So I said um, beating you by a lot. I said a lot, a lot. lot. So we're going to clip all of that. Be a lot part of it. No, no, I recall. It's on record. It's on record. (laughs) So um, we'll roll that out next week when uh, you guys are in fourth place. But no, it's awesome, mate. I'm I'm excited. As you said, we're starting to see um, some stronger fields coming out here. So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pumped, ready to go. I love it. I love it. Before we get into the draft tonight, uh, we are going to get from Spencer, as we always do, the best course breakdown in the industry. Spence, tell us what we're looking for in the course this week. So we have Memorial Park, 7,432 yards, par 70, Bermuda Greens. It's measuring marginally over 7,400 yards, and it's widely regarded as one of the top municipal golf courses in the world. Something that makes the 2019 renovation of the track that much more impressive since Tom Doak was able to remodel the layout and get it back up and running for the nearly 60,000 patrons that visit the grounds each year. Doak was accompanied on the project by former world number one and former PGA Tour player Brooks Kapka. And the purpose of the rebuild was to create a challenging tournament venue that could provide dramatic lead changes down the stretch. 
We see that with six holds yielding either a 21% bogey rate or 20% birdie or better percentage on the back nine. But the primary blueprint to one of Doak's designs will always be his distinctive green complexes. That remains front and center for the week because of the 9% increase in dispersion of scoring when it comes to strokes gain around the green. And players have mentioned how failing to get a putter in hand can present this ping pong nature of going back and forth on this unique contextual setup. The 23.4% output of pertinent scoring over the past two years and around the green importance is about as high as I've ever encountered for a non-Augusta national comp in the space. And it highlights this need for golfers that can provide an overall skill set to take advantage of the demanding layout. You have large specimen oak trees that are positioned to cause issues if you're wayward off the tee. And there are weird quirks throughout, including a clamshell landing area on the par 4 tent that will create problems if you go inside of it. You know, add that to the fact that there's a ravine that runs through a handful of holes. Green complexes that produce a 3.8% reduction in GIR percentage and fairways that are 3.1 yards narrower than average. And you get this diabolical test that will reward quality tee to green play, all while punishing any shot that's not adequately accounted for when it comes to the complex nature of the course. So I guess the condensed way to say that if you're making a model, I would put extra emphasis on strokes gain around the green. I did that when I recalculated my tee to green output, but most of everything else that I used was extremely standard. You can take a look at my model if you want to see all the categories that I highlighted for the week. But I did notice a very big advantage if you do have a good short game. There you have it. Um, I think that's one of the biggest ways to get an edge each week. Find out which types of golfers are going to be more favorable on the course they are playing this week. Um, There's the breakdown. But we're going to dive into the draft. Right now, we will be able to see how we each construct our lineups, who are the value plays, and who are we going to competing for drafting. As it always goes, Spence is going to get disappointed at some point for someone stealing his pick because that happens on every show. So let's see who can be first and quick enough to steal Spence's pick. I will pull up the draft board now. And as you can see, the order tonight is going to go Spencer. See in the audience, David and I will be picking fourth in the cleanup spot. As everyone knows who does tune in, if you're new, it is snake style like you would be your fantasy football draft. Me in the fourth spot will go twice. It goes back to Spencer. On his second and third pick, will be in a row. Without further ado, Spencer, you are on the clock. Well, I'll tell you this. You can't steal the number one pick from me. I'm going to be able to make this selection. And I guess one of the things about that in general is I build player pools that are very condensed. Like there's only so many players that I actually want to play. So when one of those names gets pulled off the board, it's always really frustrating because there's particular routes that I want to go. I mean, it doesn't mean that I can't find a way to switch it, but I'm not building out tons of players into a player pool. I'm trying to keep it a little bit more condensed in a lot of these spots. And I mean, I think I, I think everybody has an inkling of where they think I'm going to go this week. There's a certain player that David has quoted to say is back at this point. I'm uh, not going to do that going to throw a curveball and I'm going to go with the player that probably is going to be the highest owned player on the board. And that is Scotty Scheffler at 11,500. So I think Scheffler is going to win. I want to let, let me, let me go back a second. I think Scheffler is one of two players that is the most likely to win this tournament. I think there's a second option on this board that I wouldn't mind getting also, but I think Scheffler is really in a prime position to find success this week. So he is Fourth in my model in weighted proximity. I think that that's going to be a very big stat. He's fourth when it comes to GIR percentage. We know he's going to hit a lot of greens. We know that the irons are going to be good there. He's second in total driving that's geared towards accuracy. He's third in total scoring. He's sixth in par five birdie or better percentage. And he is number one in this field when it comes to weighted T to green. So that was my recalculation of adding extra uh, short game into the mix. It took the weighted proximity. It took the total driving that I threw into it. I don't love the 22 hit. 22.8% total that is projected right now in the space. Look, I don't know if it necessarily stays there because there is a gap between him and everybody else. But, you know, my model seems to think that a lot of the win equity is sitting with him. So I'm just going to take a very basic approach. I think there's players down beneath that I can take. If you guys don't steal them from me that I can throw into the mix and I can get unique in a different way. And I, I'm going to hope that Scheffler doesn't push as large of a percentage as it seems like he's going to at this point. Well, you, you heard him. He said he only picked one of the two players that he thinks is going to win. So audience is going to take that second one. I'll just I'll just do it. It's Jim Herman is going to be the audience's pick. <laughs> See audience picks. Jim 
Herman. No, seriously, we have uh, we have. Oh, yeah, we have our guy, actually. And I, and I like this pick in spite of the fact that his approach play in particular has been quite off. I love the upside, especially if you go to the longer term form. I mean, he, he's not going to model out great in the last 24 rounds, but uh, especially in terms of the, the approach play. But go back the last 50 and he's an absolute beast. I love how he can get hot with the putter. Uh, I'll go ahead and spoil it now. The audience via Steven and Byron a.k.a. Sicily Kid and the Model Maniac, have both nominated Sam Burns. That is our pick. Uh, David, let me swing it to you real quick. How do you feel about Sam Burns this week? Yeah, I think he's a fantastic pick. I'd say him him along with Scotty Scheffler obviously occupy the, the top of the board and they occupy the majority of the win equity in this this tournament. And, um, you know, they're, they're both no-brainers. I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. They've got great form in a lot of correlating courses as well. Like, so if we look at, um, say, Copperhead, for example, like the Valspar Championship, you know, some of those tough but long courses where scoring is going to end up in that minus 10 to minus 15 kind of range. Um, they've both got great form um, across those courses there, along with like Bay Hill, PGA National. Um, those are the type of courses that I'm looking for some correlating form this week. So I don't think you can go wrong with either of those picks. I think perhaps the way to get different is taking a Scheffler and a Burns and then maybe one of those 9K guys and actually going very, very top heavy um, or even, you know, jamming in three 10K guys and really deep diving some of those 6K guys and hoping for some cuts. That's, that's a great way to, to make your lineup different. Well, no, no better way to, to deep dive uh, some 6K low-end guys than to have David Bileski on our show. I assume you're not starting with the 6K guy, but who are you starting with? No, I'm going to start with a 7K guy, though. I'm going to go um, my favorite player of the week, uh, both in terms of value and um, and form coming in, which is uh, Dean Burmester, the South African, um, who Spencer's smiling at because he obviously clearly loves that player and I've stolen it from him again. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a big tournament in South Africa at the moment this week coming up, which is the Nedbank Golf Challenge. It's basically regarded as the African major. Um, there's only 66 players in that field and a huge purse on the line. Dean Burmester has chosen to skip that tournament to play here in Houston that week, this week. So clearly he likes his chances. He's extremely long off the tee. I do think the distance is going to be a great asset around this golf course. You know, it is a long par 70, and a lot of that yardage is eaten up in a couple of short par threes as well. There's a couple of 150, 160-yard par threes that are going to take some of that yardage too. So having that distance off the tee is going to be important. It's been incredibly dry in Houston at the moment as well. They haven't had rain since about August. So where I think that's going to come into play is you have got that two and a half inch Bermuda rough that you're trying to avoid. It can be pretty penal if you end up in the rough. When it gets really firm like that, that just becomes so much more difficult to hold those fairways that I'd rather have that distance off the tee personally, be further down, because if you're, if you're going to end up in the rough anyway, you better be in the rough and only playing 160 rather than over 200 yards. So um, I like the Burms to play. Um, he's 12th this year um, and approach 200 yards plus as well. Well, as we wait for Joel's back-to-back pick, Spencer, you you seem to kind of smile and chuckle when when that pick came up, and I, I assume it's because that's in a that's a Spencer and a better golf pod approved pick. It is so when that number released, and we'll talk about outright for a second. It, it opened at eighty to one. I've seen it more down in the sixty-six to one range now, but I have about fifty to one being proper on it. So no matter what price you're going to find, you're going to find value and. Even though I still have limited data, my model places him as one of the 10 most likely winners of this event because of his combination of birdie making and bogey avoidance numbers. I did try to reduce some of his metrics across the board to make it more realistic, but he held steady in most areas of how he performed in my model. And the Bermuda putting and par five scoring remain notable no matter how I ran it for the week. So, you know, I think this is a mispricing at 7,600. Like I said, I think he has one of the 10 best win equity marks on the board. So if you're telling me you can get a golfer in the $7,000 range that has a top 10 win equity in this tournament, that's always a good place to start in your build. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. A lot of people in the chat love the Burm, uh, Burm, the Burmy pick, as, uh, as Byron puts it. So if everybody likes it, that means... He misses the cut by infinity. So everybody, best wishes, everybody. Uh, Joel, you've got back. To, oh, go ahead, David, before we get Joel's back. Right, I was going to say, well, I've got to respond to that, don't I? Um, uh, the last two weeks, I've dropped my um, my first click of the week in, in the Win Daily Discord. So make sure that you're getting into the Win Daily uh, Discord channel as well. 
The the first pick that I've made the last two weeks was Andrew Novak at something like 176 is at Bermuda. He finished 17th and paid out a huge, um, huge six to one on a top 20 place for us. And then last week was Joel Damon who finished um, third last week as well for a full um, full each way place and a top 20 on him as well. So my first click this week dropped in Discord yesterday was Dean Burmester at 80 to one. He's since been cut to 55 to one. I happen to think, and this is this is no slight to anybody, not me, not Spencer, not Joel, not not anybody in the Gulf, not Spilardi who's watching with us, uh, Sicily Kid, of course, who will have the ownership article. But David, you know, it's kind of cool with you because you're kind of like, it feels like you're like around the clock because it's New Zealand time and, and all this stuff. And I also love your expertise at the European, like just the European players that we know, but maybe don't know quite as well as you do. I'm speaking for myself, of course. But with all of that said, I like the Win Daily subscription. It's I think it's still like five dollars and ninety nine cents per week. So I actually think David's Discord material is actually worth that five ninety nine per week. But oh, by the way, you get all of golf and all of NFL with six picks and Ghost and, and all of the NFL guys and, and Jason is right and, and and all the other sports. NBA is like super hot right now. We saw some screenshots with um with Ghost's model where a guy won I think a thousand last night, another guy won three thousand last night, something like that. So. My own point, listen, I hate, you know, nobody likes that guy that's like always touting the site. But when you, when it's like 20 bucks a month and you're getting every single sport and you're getting some of the insight in Discord that David gives, that Sticks Picks gives, that all of us give as well, um, I, I really think you got to take a second look and kind of join the team because it to me, especially when it's during NFL season and NBA season, it is invaluable if you're in the DFS game. That, that's just my take on that. Joel, I promise now we're getting to your picks. Back to back. Let's go. All right. You know, I appreciate it. I needed the extra time. I was uh, sweating that one out on where I was going to go. So I settled with my first pick, someone who I rarely go for, but I like the way he looks for this week on this course, and that is Mackenzie Hughes. Um, this is a guy who's been red hot recently. He's in good form. His around the green game is as elite as it comes. So in a course where that is going to be put into priority, I think he is a very good course fit at under 8K. And I'm going to go ahead and pair him with Maverick McNeely. Uh, another guy who I think has just been super consistent this season over his last four tournaments. Um, he's gotten top 20s. I think this is the one where he can finally pop and get me that top 10 to 5, which I'll need for this price tag to pay off. But at 9400 I'm still leaving myself a lot of balance um, in my lineup to, to finish, round out my draft. All right. Back to back. Any thoughts there, Spencer, on on Mackenzie Hughes or Maverick McNeely? Either of those two guys in your pool. Ooh, on mute. Sorry, Unless you just you could have just lost your voice because you've been sick. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> no, I I have some concerns with Mackenzie Hughes. Um, you know, when I look at my model, his recent iron play could prove to be a problem. When we look at his 90th place mark for weighted proximity and 110th place grade for GIR percentage. I know that the the metrics at this course over a two-year sample size look good. And you have two top 30 finishes for him in the two years that we've had it. But the rollover predictability at this course is about as low in my model as we've seen. So, you know, that's a player that I've taken on in the head-to-head -head market. It doesn't necessarily mean that he can't find success. Like when I look at him from a safety perspective, he's 19th in my model. He has negative trajectory when I look at upside for him. So... I mean, I guess like at the end of the day, he grades as a better cash game play than anything else. Like that would be my only thought with him. And then um, Maverick McNeely, I do like. He's a player that I have considered this week. And he's kind of flat leverage or positive leverage across the board in all ways that I ran it. All right. Uh, we're back to David. Burmy and then... Um, so my next pick, uh, I'm going to go a player towards the top of the board that I think is actually going to get a little bit missed in amongst. I think um, you guys are, are correct going Scheffler and Burns. I think that's probably the better play. But I do think that you're going to get some leverage on Tony Finau as a result of that. I think majority of people are going to be going to that Scheffler-Burns kind of spot. You know, if we see what Tony uh, Finau has been doing over the past year, um, you know, he's he's really, he's, he's crossed that mark where, you know, there was always the, the T2 Tony or the top five Tony kind of um, <laughs> kind of remark thrown around the industry. You know, and he re really um, switched into that winning mentality towards the end of last year. 
Um, I'm not too disturbed by the the miscut last week. It was on the number, and he, he missed a bunch of. Um, he had a few penalty shots out there as well, which can happen around Myakoba. You know, it is this incredibly penal course where if you stray a little bit offline, you can end up in a cave. You know, you can end up in a jungle mangrove um, where you are going to have to take a take a drop and and lose a couple of strokes. So missing the cut on the number doesn't hold too many concerns for me. Um, What I do love is his long iron play. Um, I love that he's got a great all-round game. He's got great correlating form on corresponding courses. Um, I think he's got a ton of win equity. And and as I said, I think he just gets missed a little bit this week compared to, say, a Burns or a Shefflin. All right. I love it. Time to start nominating audience. Uh, any any thoughts? On, by the way, ownership wise, is Tony? See, when I first saw the pricing come out, I kind of thought it would be Scheffler and then Tony and then Burns. Even though I know Tony's coming off a miscut, uh, and that's mostly because I figured Sam Burns, just from the, from the approach play standpoint, would just maybe take a take a slight hit. It, it, it sounds like I'm wrong. How are those three guys trending relative to each other? So I, I see Scheffler at 22.8%. I see Burns at 17%. I have Fino at 18.7% right now. Um, I mean, I guess that goes a little bit against what David said. But, I mean, if you could promise me that there is going to be a reduction in ownership for the reasons that Sia just mentioned, I, I do think that Fino is an intriguing leverage play if the ownership does happen to drop a little bit. All right. We have a few nominations in. Um, I kind of like all of them. Oh, wait. Okay, I might back one of these. Um, there's four names here, and I actually like all four. And I'm kind of hoping somebody else, Brent, with two picks here. I think I want to back one of Brent's picks. And since I'm part of Team Audience, yeah. I'm going to do it. Do uh, it. I'm going to do Denny McCarthy. Mm. I just, I you know, I, I'm looking for a hot putter. But I'm also looking for I'm looking for guys that you know are striking it well too. And Denny's kind of doing everything right now. I'm not really a huge like Denny guy, but I, I like him here, and I don't mind paying the the 9200 um, from a salary standpoint. We can figure out some lower end guys and some 7K guys. We could probably still with one of our picks stay up top and and, and take a guy. There's there's a guy in the a couple guys in the 6K range. I wouldn't mind personally, but. Um, yeah, I, I like Denny. Uh, let me, D- David. Let me ask you: Is is Denny sort of part of your process or not really? I, I don't think I'll be playing him this week. I don't think I'm going to get there. Um, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think the beginning of this week, particularly, it doesn't look like it's going to be as windy as it has been in previous iterations of this tournament. And I think that's re- really where the putting comes in key around this course. Is that you know you're hitting these um, these you know relatively large greens, about seven thousand square feet, um, but you are hitting a lot of approach shots over two hundred yards on this course. And as a result, when it gets windy, you miss the greens. You need to get up and down. You need to make some putts, and that's where the really comes in for me i think the fact it's looking a little bit calmer the first two days maybe just just puts me off denny a little bit and puts me more into that driving distance kind of aspect um but i I understand the rationale behind the play all right well spencer we're going to go to -to back-to-back picks but i do want to remind the audience once spencer gives his second pick which is which is going to be his third pick ultimately we can start nominating again because we're going to be right back up so spencer it's on you bud all right so this is so difficult to not take a certain player right here. I feel like you guys let him fall back to me. I'm going to take a unique approach. I'm going to take the two golfers that I have as the first and second on my board in ownership. And I am going to try to get unique in other spots. I have not tried to make a build in this capacity yet. So I will be working this on the spot to figure out if there's a way that I can finish this correctly. But I'm going to take the player that is number one for me in upside this week and that is Aaron Wise at 9900. I really like Aaron Wise. Like I know we see this like nearly $10,000 price tag for him and the first thing that you think is that he must be overpriced because of that. I actually don't think that's the case and and I wish we weren't looking at 22% ownership right now. I wish this was a spot where I mean I'd rather him be more expensive based off of this if he's going to be 22% so I don't have to deal with this but I do think it's a unique way to try to fit two of the most popular plays together. And I don't think everybody's going to necessarily go that route just because it does create a bit of a dilemma on the bottom end of it. But Wise has two top 26s here in his two attempts. We look at two top 15s for him over his last two finishes on tour. And I mean, pretty much across the board, no matter how I run it, he's third in weighted tee to green. He's fourth in strokes gain total on wind. He's third in strokes gain total over his last 24 rounds. 
all the uh, par metrics, so whether that be par three, par four, or par five, there's only three players in this field that rank inside the top 30 in each one of those categories, how I ran it. Um, when I added a couple other things to the mix too with it, Scheffler was one of them. Wise was the other one. So I'm going to take Aaron Wise and kind of make a unique build in that sense, even though it's very popular up top. And I am going to pair it with a golfer that is about as volatile as I can find. I see about 5% on him right now. The only player that has more volatility that is 150 to one on the board uh, than him would be Gary Woodland. So this is the second most volatile golfer that I have, but I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell at 8,100. Right. I really don't know what that means from a roster standpoint at this point, because I am now, I haven't actually done the math on it. I'm down in the $6,000 range for the rest of this, but He's seventh for me when I ran this for upside. So it's kind of the same thing as Burmeester that I'm talking about, where there's top 10 win equity in this play for me, even though this wager or this play definitely is going to have more volatility than the Burmeester play does. But number one in total driving, the weighted proximity is always going to leave something to be desired for him. But 30 spots better at this particular course over a standard track on tour and if you're telling me that I can go Wise and Scheffler and kind of shoot for the upsides with Michel, with, who we know is a really good Bermuda player in general, I think I have three really strong players. And now it's just about trying to figure out how do I finish this at the bottom of the board? So, Joel, I want to ask you about Keith Mitchell because he was, at first glance, I was like, I love Keith Mitchell this week. And then I looked a little deeper, which I understand Spencer did too. And like the around the green game and the approach game are just like pretty bad. There's a few guys that I really like that I'm not going to disclose yet that – I really like for like showdown or maybe first round leader uh, rather than the entire tournament. For me, Keith Mitchell fits there, but I do agree on the upside. I'm wondering, Joel, is Keith Mitchell in your player pool? He was not. I think I was just turned off by that more immediate form, which was just like some pretty poor iron play. But you don't have to look that far back. I mean, just in June, he was, you know, he if this tournament was four months ago, he might be in the 9K range. So, yeah. you know, Obviously, the volatility is there, but um, I agree with the upside. I think it's an interesting GPP play, but I think I also recognize it, it could really hurt you too. It, it can get very ugly. Um, if this was like 10 or 12%, I would have a completely different mindset. But the fact that we're looking at 5%, like for me, at least I am willing to take a chance on that and realize, look, I've gone square and square at the top two on the top two picks that I've made. Like I have to figure out real win equity where I can get different someplace else. And I don't know if there's a player that I can find that I find as much equity uh, to win this tournament as Keith Mitchell from like that price and down. Like maybe there's a, like Burmeester would be one of them, but that's not an option that I have at my disposal right now. Fair enough. I really, I really like Keith Mitchell as a differential play. Um, I have him ranked as the 11th most likely to win this tournament. So I have him pretty high up my rankings as well. Um, I, I'm quite happy to kind of discount last week um, and Mayakoba because he just really hasn't played well at that course before. So, I mean, he missed the cut last week, but his previous form there was 56th, 70th, missed cut, 65th, 68th. So he's never actually really played well there kind of ever. Um, however, at the Honda Classic, for example, which I think is a good comp course here, he's won that, he's finished ninth. At Bay Hill, he's finished fifth, he's finished sixth there, um, so he's got a couple top tens there as well. So I think if you can kind of strike a line through last week, um, you're just going to get a player there who's quite different to someone that a lot of other people are going to be drafting. I think I think actually a lot of people are just going to skip the AK range um, altogether. So if you can get in there and get one of those guys, I think it's a great differential. Okay, well, the audience has been prompt. Um, I'm so happy they picked Davis Thompson. So this is one of those plays that I like so much that I'm certain he's going to be like seven over on Thursday afternoon. With that said, I mean, I, I like this is a guy I was going to nominate too. So David Byer, Stewie, um, they're both on Thompson. I absolutely second and third that. I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm going for upside, right? I'm going for a guy that seems to be trending in a direction that that you know we could be looking like four months or six months from now, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, 8,200, 8,300 in, in a similar field. He's made three cuts in a row um, since coming over from the, the Corn Ferry Tour. And even on the Corn Ferry Tour, he was winning tournaments as well. And he was top fiving here and there. He was outright winning, T6ing, you name it. Um, and two of the three that he's made on the PGA Tour cuts have been uh, top 12 finishes. 
or you know top 12 or better so he's, he's a long he'll he's not a super long hitter he's, he is a long hitter he grades out well with the long iron play specifically i just think he's on a trajectory that at 7300 he seems like a like a true true bargain with upside yeah, I, I bet him at plus 150 to come top 40. So it's kind of hard to argue against any of that. And that was a number grab at the end of the day. Like we have limited sample size. That always worries me somewhat. But I I mean, I think that the play makes a lot of sense at 7,300. Like the metrics are better than the price tag is. Right. And it's a small sample size. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. I, you know, it's not like we we can... I don't completely dismiss the Corn Ferry Tour. Now, there's some miscuts there, too, but, like, the upside seems to be there, both on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour. So um, let, we can move on. David, it's on you. Um, just just quickly on Davis Thompson, I think it's really interesting as well, the tournaments he's chosen to play, too. You know, so often we see these guys coming up from the Corn Ferry and then they start playing, like, the Bermuda Championship and the Mexico Open and and the Mayakoba, and they, they're entering these kind of, like, alternative weaker field events just to try and keep their card. Davis Thompson is like, deliberately chosen not to play those events, and he's playing, like, the Fortinet and the Shriners. And that just suggests to me, like, a golfer who's just incredibly confident and just knows he's going to keep his card. And I think that just just reiterates the the quality of the player that, that we could have um, on our, our hands there. I, I'm going to go another graduate, actually, as well, with my pick, um, and just someone who's just come onto the scene and just been so ultra-consistent, uh, plenty of distance off the tee, and great with the putter. So Taylor Montgomery. That's me. I like it. Taylor Montgomery, I, you know, I'm wondering if he's going to be a popular play because he's in a range where there's a lot of there's a lot of places you can go. Um, but his finishing positions have been amazing. Do we have a read on what, where Taylor Montgomery is trending? I see him at 14.6%. That's the seventh best for – or the seventh highest, I guess I should say, for ownership rank. But – I kind of agree. I, I like Taylor Montgomery. It's like, you know, anytime it's a UNLV player, I'm going to boost him a little bit up on my mar model on the back end of it. Nobody realizes I'm doing that. That's like the same stuff that I do with Jason Day. You look at my model and you're like, wow, how did Jason Day get up to sixth? Well, I built in a bunch of stuff on the back end that nobody realizes I'm doing with it. But I, I think this is a good setup for Taylor Montgomery. Anytime that you have one of these courses, um, you know, first of all, UNLV, we know that there's wind at in Vegas. Houston, there's going to probably be some win in this tournament. That's going to at least be a corollary that we can look at, that he shouldn't have a problem there. And he's fifth in my model from an overall rank sense, third for safety. So um, I don't have a problem with that even at the 15% mark. I think the thing with Taylor Montgomery as well is if you covered up the name Taylor Montgomery and you saw that there was a golfer coming in here with five consecutive top 20 finishes um, coming off 10th last week, you know, if you, if you put a different name on there, if you put Aaron Wise or Sam Burr, it's like we'd all be all over it and the guy would be, you know, the, the top of the 10K kind of range. You know, it's just because his name's Taylor Montgomery and he's new to the scene that we're kind of, you know, not really raising those expectations on him. I think that's a good point. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, Joel, it's it's on you. You got back-to-back -back picks. Uh, Delbert McFly is in the chat. He says Montgomery is a great pick. Delbert, I say to you, hit the like button. And also, uh, is that a Back to the Future reference? The Delbert McFly. McFly sounds like a Back to the Future reference. I don't know the. I don't get the Delbert part. Anyway, Joel, it's on you. Back to back. All right, I am, and I was trying to be strategic, but looking at the scene in the audience, they could come and sneak up on me. So I, I'm going to take them now. I'm going to go ahead and take Jason Day. Um, I know. Uh, I, I know it's Spencer. At least is one supporter of this pick for sure. Um, but listen, he's been listen all around. Jason Day has really been playing like he looks like his old self. His ball striking has been phenomenal. His off the tee has been great. My one concern with him is that you know traditionally he's not the best around the green player, which is of course where you want to uh, target guys that excel around the green here. But he's not like a huge liability. I think he'll be fine um, if he does. Have a good week putting and, and drain a few putts. I certainly think he can compete the win this tournament. So certainly love the upside of Jason Day as well. I'm going to go ahead and pair Jason Day with uh, Patrick Rogers. Um, again, Patrick Rogers not a guy I normally like to go. I, I, I am finding it a challenge for me personally this week in terms of finding my value plays to round out. Uh, Patrick Rogers has been consistent as of late. Um, in his last three tournaments, he's got 27th, 3rd, and 16th. 
Uh, he's been gaining a lot of strokes. His around the green game is a plus. His off the tee is really strong. He's another one that I think if he can find a hot putter, um, I think he can get, a, get us a top 10. Yeah, I had Patrick Rogers on, on my list as well. Um, four straight inside the top 30. That's If you didn't already mention that, that the, the game seems to be trending. And we don't have, if I recall, I'm not looking at it right now, but the last few tournaments he's played, we actually don't have the shot link data for it, but we have the great finishing positions, uh, which leads me to believe that he's really trending in the right direction, but the model's not going to necessarily reflect that. Um, I think Patrick Rogers is a super smart play personally. I'm disappointed that Jason Day made it 12 picks into this draft before somebody took him. I can't believe you didn't take him. That's like that. Could he could have been the number one pick on the board very easily. I like him this week. Like, like, so first of all, I had to change some of the weights in my model. And, and I make the joke that I'm like changing things on the back end. I actually did change things on the back end with Jason Day this time around. And I want to preface that by saying when I ran the two-year model that I had for him, the weight of proximity is going to look really bad. I don't think that that's a true encapsulation of what he is as a golfer at this point of his career. I think he's improving. I think the strokes gain approaches back. So I gave him his recent metrics from this year. That jumped him from 93rd in expected proximity to 21st. Uh, that was good enough to make him one of three golfers to grade inside the top 30 in every category that I attached to weight this week. The other two were Scheffler and Weiss. So you can say that the high-end metrics are there for him. And, you know, around the green, he ranks inside the top 25 for me. But, like, historically, the best version of Jason Day is, like, one of the best short game players that there's ever been before. I'm not saying he's necessarily gotten back to that. I don't think he has. But if you're telling me that, like, the total driving looks really good, the weighted proximity is now improved in my model, and that the short game can just return to any semblance of what we used to have from him, that's how he's going to win one of these tournaments. And, you know, is it this week? I don't know. I have an outright bet on him, so I'm hoping so. But, yeah, I'm kind of surprised he made it to 12th overall in this draft because, you know, there's a lot of ways where if Aaron Wise would have been off the board, he would have been my second pick in this draft. My only ask is that just be careful when you keep saying Jason Day is back because every time you say that, I think he's going to do something and hurt his back. And I just, it makes me cringe every time because I'm scared and it's, he's fragile. But right now, it's okay. And for those of you that are listening, we um, Spencer just uh, gave you some insight as to his outright card. We, we are going to do that at the end of the show for those of you that aren't regular watchers. Uh, anyway, uh, David, it is on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep um, begging the toe of the ball because, as per usual, I've got some guys further down the board where I think it get a bit different. So um, I'm going to go for the um, other Taylor, uh, Pendrith variety this mm. time. I think he's got incredible upside. I love his um, the strokes gained off the tee that we're going to get from Taylor Pendrith because not only is he incredibly long, but he's incredibly accurate as well. You know, obviously last year with um, TPC Sawgrass where he actually cracked a couple of his ribs because of his incredible uh, ball speed um, off the tee. Um, you know, he, he still managed to finish 13th, came back, and then just went on an incredibly hot run um, of 13th or better uh, for five or six consecutive tournaments. He's kind of eased into the beginning of this this new season. Um, he's only played a couple of tournaments um, over the last um, few months. So um, I kind of like that he's taken a bit of rest. And I think if you were just looking at, like, that very short-term form, you know, it, his last tournament was the Shriners. It was, it was over a month ago. Um, so, you know, there, there's every chance he's been out on the range and, and he's getting his iron play back as well because that, that looks like it's trending in the right direction. So any player this week that can um, drive it long and straight off the tee and hit their line, long irons well, um, I know Pendrith can spike with putter. Um, so I, I like that um, golfer profile I'm getting from him. Yeah, I, I like Pendrith a lot. I think he can win this tournament for sure. Me too. All right, uh, C audience, uh, who do we got? We got a lot of nominations coming in. Um, no, it doesn't appear to be any seconds yet. There's a couple of these names that I like, but I'm going to see if the audience wants to second somebody first. Brent, Delbert, Stewie, David, you all have nominations, but nobody seems to like anybody else's pick. I'll, I'll give you another four or five seconds before I go ahead and take one of these guys okay so i'll second gordo okay that's good i don't know what i don is but um we have uh will gordon at 7700 i, I like the uh, you know it's funny because you guys know i wasn't on the show last week and and i didn't do much by way of tournaments i you know first of all the tournament selections just 
god awful on DraftKings. So uh, we we are owed an apology on that one. With that said, I've been playing Gordon for like three or four weeks in a row, and I didn't play him last week for some reason. I'm not 100% sure why. So I'm happy to go back to him this week. Um, Joel, any thoughts on Will Gordon this week? Is he somebody in your player pool? And, and honestly, I kind of want to open it up just real quick to maybe yes or no, Spencer and David, because this is a guy I'm really curious about this week if you guys are on him. But Joel, let's start with you. You know, he's in my player pool. I think he's interesting. He's not super high in my player pool. I think I would prefer him more safety, like in a small tournament or a cash game than I would in a big GPP. Gotcha. And uh, David, real quick, yes or no on Will Gordon? Definitely. Awesome. Uh, Spencer? I'll give a very similar answer that Joel gave. Um, I like him. I would probably prefer him for cash games over anything else. You know where I'd prefer him is at the end of the show on either the outright or first round leader card. Stay tuned. All right, uh, Spencer, we got back-to-back picks, and then it's back to the audience for the fifth selection. I have been scrolling through this board, and I mean, I'm happy to hear that David has some names that he likes in the $6,000 section. He probably should have sent me some of them because I don't have a ton of players that I actually want to play here. Like I'm scrolling through every single name and I'm finding a reason for why I like don't want them in my player pool whatsoever, but I have to play somebody at this point. Then I am going to start with a UNLV golfer. I'm going to take Charlie Hoffman at 6,800. So we know the win play with Hoffman for all the reasons that we keep, I keep mentioning about all these UNLV players, but 29th in this tournament in 2020, he has back-to-back top 42 finishes over his past two starts on tour. That at least makes me believe that he has turned something around recently. And a lot of the metrics that I run are very well suited for this course. So when I look at weighted tee to green, that is my takeaway of this course versus a standard track. He's 43rd compared to 82nd. Uh, The Bermuda putting has him see, what is that, a 41 spot increase over his baseline putting total that I have. That's one of the reasons why he's 20th in strokes gain total on Bermuda. And he is seventh in strokes gain total over 7,400 yard courses. You know, anytime I think about Texas, you know, Charlie Hoffman seems to pop up here. So when I don't have a ton of what I actually want to take at this point, I'm going to take a golfer like Hoffman that I think does have some upside here. I like it. Uh, Charlie Hoffman was definitely of the guys in the 6K range. I have like five or six that I think I'd be willing to play. Not 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 necessarily that I am playing. We'll see. Charlie Hoffman was definitely one of those guys. Uh, so I'm I'm happy with that one. Who's the ne- who's next up? Now it gets gross after this. Like it's a lot of guys with a ton of miscut equity. I've got, I've taken a bunch of volatility in my model so far. I'm thinking that I should probably take one of the three players that. I guess four players that have the most safety for me in this like low $7,000 range. So that would either be David Lipsky, Steven Yeager, Russell Knox, or Bo Hostler. Um, I love one of those guys personally. We'll see if you pick them. I probably won't. Um, I will take Steven Yeager at that's the one 7,100. So he's seventh in my model and strokes gained around the green. 32nd in Bermuda putting. I'm going to trust those two things. And when we look at what he's done recently, like I know he's missed the cut at the Bermuda championship. And it's not like we're talking about like world end finishes that he's producing, but 40th at the Zozo, 44th at the Shriners, 30th at the Sanderson, 43rd at the Fortinet, 46th at the St. Jude, 13th at the Wyndham. There's a lot of really good finishes there for a guy that's in the low $7,000 section. I don't love the ownership that I see at 8.9%. That's negative trajectory in my model based off of that. But as I said, there's not a ton of players that I love. um, And I don't know who I'm going to take with this final pick at this point. But Jaeger's at least a guy that I can see traits of why he can find success here. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Steven Jaeger and that one. By the way, if anybody hasn't already seen, this thing is like 15 to 20 years old, but after this show, YouTube, my new haircut, and that like that that guy who you'll see, but he says Jaeger bombs a lot, and it's like a two minute like funny like parody clip of like a like a New Jersey like a standard like New Jersey like musclehead kid or whatever. Please just go to YouTube and type in my new haircut after this show. It's hilarious. We want your feedback on how funny you think it is. All right. Um, it's back to the audience. Do we have uh, we have what looks to be nominations here, but I'm not 100% clear if we have Alex Smalley backed by Delbert or David. 
because it looks like Delbert also backed Straka. Okay, we have a Hadley. We we need a second on on some of these names that were bandied about over the last couple of minutes. We got Hostler in here, Chesson Hadley. Um, I'm going to count uh, one of these for Alex Smalley and one of these for Straka. If we can back one of those guys. And if you're new to the show, if you just hopped on with us, Hingo, I haven't seen you in the chat yet. Saw you before on previous shows, but hit the like button if you can. Um, Straka, trust me. Wow, we got to trust me. By the way, Brent, so Straka's our pick. But by the way, Brent, this is this is new to the show. You're going to, not that Brent's new to the show, but I'm scrolling up in the comments and I see this. Delbert, I'll second Gordon if you second Straka on the turn. Like some backroom <laughs> chat deals. Well, not even backroom, like completely out in the open. I, I I love that. That is not the process, guys. We can't we actually we can. I don't care. But that's this is my to- sort of game. I love it. <laughs> it's funny that you did that. So uh, more power to you. It looks like it worked because Straka's uh, Straka, excuse me, is going to be our guy. Seth Straka, Joel, that feels like a Joel uh, special. It feels like a Joel showdown special. Um, how do you feel about Straka over four rounds? I like him here. I think he's definitely a GPP play. It's a volatile play. He couldn't burn you, but he has a lot of upside. We've seen him when he gets hot, when his ball striking gets there, he puts together some really strong weeks. And it's also a week where – you know, there's not an, like an abundance of value where you can play. Hey, you can just play anyone in this range. So I think he does stand out as a high upside play in the 7K range. All right. Fair enough. I like it. He was certainly on my board as well. Uh, history solid. Uh, David, you've got good history. What you got? So I'm going to go um, a player I really like this week. Great with his long irons. We, we saw a period of um, play last week from Alex Noren, the Swede, where he went um, to three courses that I think are great comp courses for here. Uh, so the Phoenix Open, he finished sixth. PGA National, he finished fifth. And then at Copperhead, he finished 12th. He's made all four cuts um, in the tournaments he's played so far this year without really setting anything alight. Um, but if we dive a bit more into what little data that we have, especially from last week, um, at Mayakoba, you know, some of his green and regulation numbers were kind of off the chart last week. So in his first round, he hit 15 of 18 greens. In round three, he hit 16 of 18 greens. And in round four, he hit 15 of 18 greens. So, I mean, he's well above 80% GIR, which is incredibly elite. Um, a lot of people aren't going to be going and looking anything further than that top line kind of data. Um on last week's tournament where we have got that strokes gain there. But I think for a golfer who's performed well at comp courses and, you know, potentially is is hitting his irons out of the park, um, I feel that this um, could be a really good spot for him. Yeah, I'm Alex Noren is one of those guys that I just don't think people are going to be paying attention to. I would imagine, Spencer, that his ownership is reflecting that, right? Have I put something wrong in on David's uh, picks Oh, yeah. Taylor, uh, I think so. Oh, no. David's picks. Jason Day. What do you think? David, Is that are those your picks? Yeah, those are his picks. So aren't we short what he can finish this with? Yeah, I might be out of money. Oh, so no norm. Oh. We're ignoring we? his I last can't ignoring, can I? Huh? All right, we've got to dive in. I mean, you we guys, can, I, can, I, can someone leave me 500 bucks? We, we can make a back alley deal here. This is the yes. perfect time to do yeah, it. Yeah. Give, give me Jason to... Day. We'll get you a player with extra money here. We'll make this work for everybody. Seriously, well, nothing on the ignoring thing? Nothing? Nobody? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear it. For so what it's worth, I like Noren this week. So um, there you go. Secrets out. Um, all right. Well, I'll go to one of my six K guys. Um, Spencer's already taken one of them with a budget game. Great. Thanks, <laughs> um, So we'll go to um, Joseph Bramlett, who I like in the the six K range. Plenty of distance off the tee. Um, again, if you dive into last week's numbers, I don't think they're as dreadful as it looks. You know, sixty third finished last week in my, um, at the Mayakoba doesn't exactly set the world alive. Uh, a light again that was kind of just really one round which went bam but he opened up with a, a six under so i think that if he can put it all together that there's um some options there i like his distance off the tee as i said um he gains most of his um 
strokes on approach, he does that over 200 yards or over 150 to 200 and 200 plus. So I think that's a great profile for here. Um, and he can spike with the putter occasionally. So he saw that beginning of this year at the 14th, we gained over two strokes with putter. So um, I think that he's got some upside. Yes, there's some volatility, but that's why he's six and a half. All right. No issue there. Uh, fits the budget. And Joel, let's close out your lineup. <laughs> All right. I will. I want to start off my last two picks with Lee Hodges uh, at 7,600. Um, I think he does have a lot of upside combined with the safety, safety for the seven for the seven K range. Um, just looking at his last three tournaments, he has 23rd, 7th and 38th. Uh, he's getting a lot of he's been gaining strokes on his approach since August. Um, his off the tee has been really strong. I, you know, he, he's a mixed bag around the green, which is which is something you definitely want here. But he definitely has weeks where he can pop there too. So if he can uh, if he can show up around the green here and not find any trouble, I think he can even have some top ten to fifteen upside in this field. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and pair him with Taylor Moore. Uh, Taylor Moore is another guy at eight K. You know, I'm getting a bit of value um, in his last he's been, his last two tournaments. He is twenty third and twelfth. But even before that. And he missed a cut at the Shriners, but before that, he, he went on a streak of like, I can just count, about 10, nine or 10 made cuts in a row with two top 10s. So I think he's really coming on at the, in the 8K range. I think this could be a good spot for him. What I really wanted to do with our second to last pick, and I'm glad it didn't work out because you would have stolen him anyway, was go lower than Sepp Straka to leave us at least 300 more so that we could grab Taylor Moore. I love Taylor Moore this week. And, and, um, there were some guys in that sort of flat, flattish 7K range that that would have fit. But I, I actually like both of those picks. Um, but I think Taylor Moore is super sneaky, uh, personally. So uh, love that. Uh, David, uh, what do we got for your last pick? Yeah, back to me. Um, actually, a name that got mentioned a little bit earlier um, and a, a golfer that I really like this week is David Lipsky. Um, so like that he's coming in off the 10th place finish last week in Mexico. Um, he, again, gains majority of his strokes on approach at that 150 to 200 or 200 plus yardage mark. Um, he's a golfer I'm quite familiar with in terms of his performances on the DP World Tour. He's not necessarily the longest off the tee, but he is very, very accurate. Um, I think that is going to be important this week. So I, I do want to mix in at least one guy this week where I've got some accuracy off the tee because I've got quite a few bombers in there. Um, and Lipsky can get very hot with the putter. Decent enough finishes at some comp courses as well. Probably most notably 26 of the Arnold Palmer. That was a very windy rendition as well. Um, so I, I do like that that performance there. Um, I think he's got some great upside. All right. I like it. It is time for us to close it. I'm going to put a nomination into the chat because we've only got so much left. Uh, 7,700 left. Uh, we've got Stewie has a nomination. I don't mind Stewie's either. Um I've put in Grayson Sig, who I don't think has been drafted quite yet. Uh, so let's try to get a second. Oh, Brent has – he has uh, signed off on Sig. So let's do Grayson Sig at, I believe, also 7,400, 7,500. Um, you know, Grayson Sig's been just pretty good as of late. He rates out pretty well, too, um, around the green. Um, I'm trying to see why he I, rated out so well. But. I, think, I think he's out of the tournament. Oh, did yeah. he withdraw? I, th- I believe if we've so. Got budget, we've got budget gate. We've got WD gate now. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, Lee Hodges got drafted, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Byron, he uh, Lee Hodges just got drafted by uh, by Joel. All right, so I'll nominate. Has Aaron Rye been drafted? We can afford him, right? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Sig withdrew. Um, we have Long or Smalley. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't love Smalley's short game. Ain't great. Um I'm okay with long or rye. Let's do long. Oh, we have long. David and Stewie have both said long. Okay, so uh, Adam Long is going to be our pick. I have no idea how much he is. 7,400. All right, so we leave a little bit on the table. I like Adam Long. Um, Spencer, let me go to you. Any thoughts on Adam Long? I mean, I don't know if he's the first player I'm rushing to just because of the ownership, but back-to-back 11th place finishes at this course, he's certainly not somebody that I'm taking out of my player pool for that reason. Uh, Another player that I'll just throw out there that I think this could be a good bounce back spot for that everybody wanted to play last week, didn't really love the course setup for him. I think we have a much better setup this week would be Robbie Shelton at 7,300. The around the green game is what was 
that's his strength. Like that and par five scoring are the two things that are always going to rule the day for him. And when you got some of that reduced last week for him, I think it hurt him. I think that's one of the reasons why he missed the cuts. So, you know, if I could rebuild this, I could probably find a way to put Robbie Shelton into my lineup and maybe that would create a better lineup than I did. But I just wanted to throw that name out there. Well, I will be throwing him out there in a couple minutes uh, for the record. So, uh, okay. So Spencer, we got one more pick and then we're going to get to our outrights in our, our first round leaders. This is so gross at the bottom of the board. So I scrolled through pretty much every single player. I, I was trying to figure out a reason of like, at least from an upside perspective of why I would want to play any of these guys. And I came up with one guy. I like him on Bermuda. I like him in wind. You know, this is probably where I am my own worst enemy because of the UNLV narrative. As I said, I'm baking everything in from the back end there, but I'm going to take Harry Hall at 6,400. I don't know how much I trust this. There's a lot of volatility that's going to come into play, but he's 50 spots better in my model strokes gain T to green over his past 24 rounds versus his baseline. And when we look at him on strokes gain putting, he's second, he's 15th on Bermuda. Uh, the win play is going to look good for all the reasons that I mentioned. And the par five scoring is something that popped in my model. So I think there's a lot of miscut potential that's going to come into play on this wager. I don't know if this is like the best natural fit to pair along with some of the guys that I have with like a Mitchell and a Hoffman, even a Steven Yeager with that. But there's a lot of upside to this lineup. And if I can get Scheffler and Wise correct and I can get some of this to come down beneath, you know, at least in the right spots. This is the kind of weird, funky lineup that can make a run at it. It's also the lineup that could get three of six through the cut and it comes in last place. But that's what I shoot for on this show. I'm trying to find as much upside as I can. And Hall is the golfer. I mean, I guess technically John Ha would be the golfer that has the most upside for me. But I don't know if I want to go back there a second time. I feel like I flirted with danger there last week. I got away with it. And I'm going to try to pivot and go somewhere else this time. All right. I like it. I like how that ended up for you, actually. I was, you know, I thought you were going to go somewhere like Michael Gligic, who ended up rating out quite well for me for, for whatever reason. I'm not looking at it right now, but um, Harry Hall, he's flashed for sure. Uh, so, fellas, Joel, is it time for us to get to the uh, to the outright card? It is. It is. Don't forget to give us a follow. Hit the like button. We're going to come back on Twitter. Post the lineups. Let us know who you think is going to win, which lineup you like the most. We're going to report back. And crown a champion next week, as we always do. But before we let you out of here, let's give you our outrights and first-round leaders for this week. We'll start with you, Spencer. Who are you looking at in the outright market? So a lot of these numbers I'm going to mention have moved. I just want to throw that out there. I'll, I'll at least try to mention the, the best price in the space that I can find right now because I would still play all of these prices at those numbers. But I took Jason Day at 33-1. to 1. That is now down to 28-1. to 1. I had that more in the 26-1 to 1 range. Taylor Pendris, 60 to 1. I see 50 to 1 out there. 45 to 1 was my proper price for him. Keith Mitchell, 70 to 1. That's going to be about 60 to 1 if you shop around. 45 to 1 was my proper going right there. Uh, Dean Burmeister, I talked a lot about this week. That's 80 to 1. I see 66 to 1s out there, even 65 to 1s if you can't necessarily find that. But really good price. That's more in the 50 to 1 range. And then Sebastian Munoz, 80 to 1. Unfortunately, I had a proper price on him being 70 to 1, and 70 to 1 is the best price I can find in the space. You know, I'm going to keep him on my card because I don't want to remove something at this point. But if 70 to 1 is the best price you can find, at least be aware that there is some lack of win equity at that number. I like it. How about you, David? Who are you looking at in the outright market? Yes, yeah, so per usual, I'll give three out here. The other three are going to be dropped in Discord um, later this evening, so make sure that you're jumping into the Wind Daily Discord and you can ask all your questions that you like of, uh, of us, um, any DFS tips, anything like that, um, any golfers we like, you can do that too. Um, Dean Burmester obviously was my headline pick. I think that's fairly obvious that I'm on there. That was my first pick of the week as I dropped yesterday. Um, I got that at 81 with eight places each way at a 50 odds. Um, that has been cut pretty massively. I think that's into 55 to 1. I think anything, is, as Ben said, anything over 60 to 1 is worth a play on Dean Burmester if you can find that out there. Um, the other names I'll give out as well, Tony Finau at 18 to 1. Again, I'm getting some pretty um, decent value there. I have fear odds for him at 15 to 1, so I'm getting an extra three points on him at that mark. Um, I think he's got great win equity. I do think he gets missed a little bit this week. Um, the other one is uh, Budgetgate, Alex Noren. I got him at 50 to 1, um, eight places, 150 odds. I love it. I love it. 
Uh, I have three for us as well. Uh, my first one is the home run Hail Mary pick of the week at 200 to one odds. You know, this is a guy I prefer for an outright ticket than even to play a DVS. I just think he does have the upside to win a tournament. Um, he's pretty volatile, and that's Matt Wallace. I mean, we've seen Matt Wallace pop. He should be a really good course fit here. I think 200 is just too big a number for him where he you know, can get really hot in the week and, and compete in a tournament like this. So I really like Matt Wallace at 200 to one. Uh, moving up, you know, I also like to hit the gala at 40 to one this week. Um, and my last play is Denny McCarthy at 35 to one. See, how about you? Who's going to the outright market? Yeah, I fully support that Denny McCarthy play. I'm only going to give four outrights. They're in the long shot range, and I'm going to give six first-round leaders. Um, but I'll give the outrights out right now, of course. Uh, Taylor Pendrith, I'll back Spencer on that one at 50-1. to one. Love that. Uh, Siwoo Kim, who just isn't going to be part of the conversation this week, apparently, at 50-1. to one. I like that number on him. Taylor Moore, also 50-1. to one. Love him. Uh, and then Davis Thompson at 85-1. to one. It's a flyer on Davis Thompson. But um, those first three, I think, uh, you know, have some standing to potentially compete on a Sunday afternoon. I strongly consider just for the record, Siwoo Kim and Davis Thompson in the outright market also. I didn't go there, obviously, but uh, they were about as close as you could get that they got cut at the very last minute. So mm -hmm. I like your mentality with that. I think Siwoo Kim is a golfer that's going to be under the radar this weekend. Uh, all the positive trajectory my model has for upside kind of kept popping through every single time I ran it. Yeah, I like him for DFS, especially if he's just going to get it ignore, ignorant ignoring ignoring i'm still trying all right moving on i love it i love it we're not done yet we're gonna get redemption i think last week was the first time we haven't hit a first round leader since as far back as my memory goes so yeah. that's Eva. Uh, yeah, Eva. yeah it was uh it was the ronald reagan administration <laughs> so, yeah, that was yeah. the last time true story yeah. second yeah. term yeah. and, and they didn't have the first round that week so the, Thank the, you. Odds, the odds of us putting two weeks together without hitting a first round leader is like slim to none. So this is a lock. One of the names that is about to get said is going to be the first round leader on Thursday. So okay, okay, okay. Seriously though, it is kind of a lock. It's historically, a lock. historical data suggests that Joel's statement is not fraudulent at all. That it's it's no. almost a statistical imp like impossibility <laughs> that we don't hit a first round leader this week. That's no, gonna happen. That's math, guys. That's already done. And now it's just a matter of you taking the play, making the bet, and then collecting your cash. So without further ado, Spence, you're looking at the first round leader market. I have five guys I'm going to give out on here. Maybe one of you can convince me on a six play because I still have a little bit of room technically. But Adam Wong, 80 to 1 on DraftKings. Aaron Wise, 31 to 1 on FanDuel. Sebastian Munoz, 60 to 1. You can find that one pretty much anywhere. And then the last two I took are late tee times, but I like their prices too much to ignore. So that would be Keith Mitchell, 55 to 1 FanDuel, and Dean Burmeester, 85 to 1 on FanDuel. I love it. I love it. How about you, David? Who are you looking at in the first round of the market? Um, so I've got six this week. Uh, first off the board will be Jason Day, 35 to 1. I, I've seen Jason Day, Day's name just all over the place on golf Twitter the last few days. It's like everyone has watched the PGA Draft cast and my declaration that he's back, and they've all finally, um, about three weeks later, come to terms with the fact that he's here. It, it, but it does almost feel like to me that this time the industry's got it right, kind of similar to like Will Zalatoris at the BMW Championship, if everyone was like, this is the play, and it does feel like Jason Day's the play here. So um, I love him in the first round leader market. Taylor Montgomery, 40 to 1. I've got Sahith Tagala at 50 to 1. I think he's got massive volatility, massive upside. Um, I like the number there. Will Gordon, 50 to 1. I think that's a great number considering he was actually the first round leader last week, and he's coming in with just incredible form. David Lipsky, 80 to 1, and Adam Schenk at 80 to 1. I love it. I love it. I have four for us this week. Uh, my card's going to start with Taylor Moore at 50 to 1. Uh, Davis Riley also at 50 to 1. A bit of a, of a new one here with Harris English at 70 to 1. And my last play, I'm going back to Matt Wallace. If maybe not the full tournament, maybe just one round at 110 to 1. Um, all right. Now, Sia, Sia, you have been incredible incredible with the first round leaders this year uh honestly like the statement people say like you're due like you didn't hit last week so 
you do. You're going to hit the Google. That's a good fact. So tell us, who are you looking at in the first million market? So let's start. First of all, so for those of you that, and not that anybody would would say this necessarily, but our first round leaders, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, it's not all like I have, you know, Joel has four different ones. Spencer has six different ones. I've seen, and, and, and I say that because there is a lot of overlap. For the for the record, it, I had it between, and I'll spoil one of these. I had it between Keith Mitchell or Matthew Naismith as my last one in, and and I, I truly hadn't necessarily decided. But the fact that Spencer has claimed Keith Mitchell. I'm good with that because I'm going to end up going with Matthew Naismith. But I have some crossovers specifically with what uh, David's first round leaders are. So I'm going to keep those, obviously, because those are my first round leader picks. Uh, Jason Day. I found him at 40 to 1. I think that was at Caesars, by the way, just like 20, about 30 minutes ago. Jason Day, 40 to 1. Um, the next two guys are in the afternoon. Just keep that in mind. Taylor Pendrith, another crossover pick here at 50 to 1. Matthew Naismith at 55 to 1. Those two guys are in the afternoon. But Jason Day and the next three guys are in the morning, just so you know. Will Gordon, 55 to 1. I promised you that he was going to be one of those guys that we were going to talk about later in the show. Robbie Shelton, another guy I promised you would be brought up at 90 to 1. So before I get to the easy button play, Jason Day, Taylor Pendrith, Matthew Naismith, Will Gordon, Robbie Shelton, and officially backing Spencer's Keith Mitchell play, which I love as a first round. I like Keith Mitchell way more in the first round leader market than the, the overall market personally. However, the easy button play, the Cadence Bank Houston Open first round leader here in 2022, we are all going to just, I don't think we're going to be even be surprised anymore. We're going to be like, yeah, see, you said this would happen and it's going to happen. So in two days, when the first round is over, at the Houston Open, your first round leader is going to be Denny McCarthy at 50 to one. You put a dollar on it, you get 50 back. You put two bucks on it, you get 100 back. You put your entire bank account on it, you get 50 times that amount back. And that's uh, clearly what we're recommending. First round leader, Denny McCarthy, put everything you own on this first round leader play. It is an absolute lock. So like if you go to the casino and you play roulette and you put all your money on one number and that hits, that's like 30 to one. Yeah. 35. So this, yeah. Is, this is more than that. More. Mm. Yeah. That's what, so that's what I'm trying to do to help everybody out because, you know, obviously the strategy in roulette is to put all your money, your entire bank account on one number. Cause it's 35 to one. Why wouldn't you do that? You're getting 35 times your money. So I just kind of wanted to extend it a little bit more and get us to 50 to one as the easy button play. So it is in fact, Danny McCarthy. You're welcome, everybody. So it's that easy. Just very quickly on that. And, and obviously I'm not listening and I, uh, it went in one ear out the other. We can pretend like that didn't happen because Denny McCarthy is going to be the first round leader. You just made that very clear to everybody that's mm -hmm. out there. So bet Denny McCarthy, but I am also going to add Davis Riley at 50 to one. Joel convinced me of that when he said that. So that's going to be my last play, but just know Denny McCarthy is going to be the first round leader. And, you know, maybe Riley ties him. That'll be great if that happens. See, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. So so what, what Spencer's really recommending is is just throwing in another guy. Because let's be honest, like the money might come out the same if you, if you take both. But how cool would it be if you get to promote two tickets on Twitter rather than just one? Do you, you got both. special. And honestly, we're taking it easy on Sia. You know, there was a time this year where the expectation that Sia would give us two first-round leaders that would hit each week. Because you could, if there's a tie, he would obviously hit both of them. That's right. Uh, right now, we're being easy. We're going to let him get a win. Just he only had to get one. But, you know, really, we expect him to get two. So, Davis Riley could be that second option. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's a wrap for tonight. Don't forget, we're going to be dropping these lineups on Twitter. Post. Let us know which lineup you think is going to win. We're going to track back. And crown the winner next week. Good luck, everyone. Uh, Sia, what am I forgetting? Um, we forgot to give the casual disclaimer that we're just kidding. Don't put your entire bank account on it. Just like most of it. You know, save money for like food, at least for like three days. Because you, you never know, like they might not pay you out right away. Um, with that said, the only thing was, um, David, what's the thing we forgot? Um, Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland. Uh, Joel, what's the thing we forgot? Sports. Wrong. Spencer, what's the thing we forgot? Jason Day is back. The time is coming that he wins this golf tournament. Yeah. That's actually correct. That's the correct answer. And uh, sports. Sports.